right. <clears throat> well, I, uh, <laughs> I want to start the morning with some controversy. So uh, some of you are going to love this, some of you are going to hate this, and you might actually get up and leave after I say this, and I'm okay with that. By a show of hands, who's in Christmas mode already? <laughs> and so the rest of you are the sane ones in the room, right? Is that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're like, not till after Thanksgiving. Uh, this past week, uh, one of our students sent me a post on Instagram, um, Gavin, if you know him. Uh, he sent me this post that's, uh, it's got a calendar, and, and it's, it's got Thanksgiving, or it's got November and December, if you can see it up there, and everything just says Christmas, except for three days, okay? We give Thanksgiving three days, and some of you are like, yes, that's my kind of calendar. Others of you are like, no, it's just, 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 it's just not, I'm not holly and jolly and never will be. Uh, but regardless of where you land, and you will fight to the death on, like, it's not Christmas time yet. Uh, there's just something happening in, in the world around us. You, you, can't, you can't resist it. You cannot go outside. You cannot go into public spaces now that we've passed Halloween and not just be, like, bombarded with Christmas. Um, and, and along with that comes, don't worry, we're not doing a Christmas series. You're like, really? Are we going to do, like, nine weeks of, of Christmas? No, we're not, we're not going to do that. Uh, but regardless of where you land on that and, and Christmas stuff starts to happen, one of the things that comes along with that this time of year it's going to start like ramping up more and more over the next couple of weeks, is this idea of, uh, of like seasonal generosity. Like around the holidays, like there's, we begin to hear and see all about hey, being generous and giving back and, and doing those kind of things. And, uh, you know, so that, that looks like things like food drives. There's lots of food drives that happen this time of year. There's like gift drives. Uh, we've got several in our community, whether it's the Salvation Army does the angel tree. Uh, Monica over at the schools does the affordable Christmas thing. Uh, the, the police and the fire departments do things. It's like, yeah, we got gift drives going on. We, the, the kettles start showing up, the red kettles at stores. Um, we hear about special offerings, and coming up at the end of this month is like, might be, I mean, it's, it, it's up there. I might be just like a Thanksgiving person, because it's the best food. It's the holiday with the best food, in my opinion, and I'm right. Um, but like, you, we start to hear a lot about like Thanksgiving dinners, like that are just given away. Churches do Thanksgiving dinners. Community organizations do Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, local restaurants will be like, hey, if you need a meal for Thanksgiving, we're doing it. Sign up. It's free. It's awesome. We see all this generosity. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. And here's a conviction that I have, and I think that the scripture teaches, is that uh, followers of Jesus should be known for our generosity. Like irrational, makes no sense. People think we're crazy because we're so generous. Like we should be known for that. And not just you know, certain times a year, but all year long. Like we should just be people that give and give and give. And the reason that we act that way and think that way is, is because we're like, well, we, we believe in this, this God who gave the absolute best to us that we were broken, we were so needy, we were helpless, we were dead in our, in our sins, and God's like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to send my son, I'm going to give of myself to you, no strings attached because I love you, and he has lavished this generosity on us, and so we're like, okay, we want to we wanna follow him, we want to model him, we want to we wanna be more like Jesus, like we just read about, so, or sang about, we weren't reading, I guess we were reading the words, um, but we, we want to be generous towards our community, right? So here's the thing, though. I talk about that, and it sounds good, and it sounds rah-rah, I'm a rather excited person as it is, if you couldn't tell. Um, but there's this tension that, that we begin to encounter then. And maybe some of you are already thinking this and feeling this. I know I've felt this before where it's like, okay, I want to be generous. But how do I be generous when it feels like I just don't have much to give? Because I've been in situations in my life where I'm just like, I wish I could give towards something, but like my bank account says no. Okay, the utilities tell me no, can't do that. And for many of us, that's where we find ourselves, right? It's like, it's, it's expensive to live. It gets more expensive all the time. 
it's like, you know, groceries are expensive, budgets are tight, you know, it's hard to make ends meet, inflation, it's, it's, we, we set the clocks back last night, I saw a meme this past week, it's like, don't forget to set your clocks back, clocks back. can we please set them back to when groceries weren't as expensive, and I'm like, I wish it was that easy, um, but yeah, we just, we just have, that's the reality, and then you throw on top of things, like, unexpected stuff comes up, car breaks down, furnace goes out, unexpected medical bills, and it's like, I want to be generous, but it's just, I can't, I can't. Or it's like, Philly, I hear you talking about those different, um, you know, community things that will be happening. Like, I want to be generous, but I'm, a lot of times I'm on the receiving end of those things, not on the giving end. And so we kind of live in that tension of like, okay, I'm called to be generous, but how do I be generous? But here's the, the good news is that there's a lot of different ways to be generous. But I think one of the reasons why when we start talking about generosity, we instantly begin to th- think about numbers and dollars and cents and bank accounts is because like our physical stuff and money tends to be the thing that our culture puts the highest value on. Like, that's what's most important. So if we want to be generous, we have to give that away. But there are a lot of things in life that are way more valuable than our money that we're called to be generous with. And so we're going to explore that over the next uh, couple of weeks in this series, this idea that we need to, we're, we're called to be generous, but we're not going to talk about being generous with our money. That's important, and that's a different series, and we'll talk about that. But if we're going to follow Jesus, generosity and giving is not something that we do. It's a posture that we take in every aspect of life. To just be like, you know what, I just want to be a person that just blesses other people, just pours out for other people. And so we're going to do that over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, And we're going to do that by looking at one particular letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. We're going to allow it to kind of set up our conversation each week. Paul writes two letters to a a church uh, in the city of Thessalonica. We have them as 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So we're going to be in 1st Thessalonians throughout this series, kind of looking at a few verses that, again, are going to set up our conversation on generosity. Uh, the, the church in Thessalonica will be found in modern-day Greece today, uh, if you were to go and visit that area. At the time of the Apostle Paul, it was the capital city of Macedonia. It was this port city, a very important place, lots of commerce, lots of culture. Uh, and Paul writes a letter to followers of Jesus there, and he writes around 51-ish, 51 AD, and he had gone through that area about a year or two before and started the church. So he got the church started on his second missionary journey, and now he's writing to encourage them. He's like, you're doing good, like you've been following Jesus, but you know, life is tough, the world around you is tough, this is new to you, so let me encourage you, let me give you some instruction. And we see um, some, some powerful words on how can we be generous in every area of life. So that's where we're going to be. We're going to pick up in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2, we're going to read the first eight verses. We're kind of going to set this idea up and land on the idea in verse 8. So let's read this. First Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Paul writes and says, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. So Paul's talking to these Thessalonians, and he's like, hey, we really, really wanted to bring uh, the gospel of God to you. We wanted to bring gospel just means this, this good news. And the good news is that, that God had shown up and done something in the world for all people, that God became uh, put on flesh, became man in the person of Jesus Christ. And this, he brought this message that, that the kingdom of God was here. That Jesus, the king, had come. His kingdom was here. And that everyone was invited to participate in that by trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so uh, Paul and his traveling companions, they go around, they're telling people about this. And he tells the Thessalonians that it wasn't easy for them to do that, that it was hard. Three different times, look what he says. He says, listen, uh, we, we had suffered for this, we were treated outrageously, and we faced great opposition. We 
faced great opposition. He talks about this experience that they had in Philippi before they, he made his way to um, Thessalonica. Paul and Silas, uh, they, were, they were beaten and imprisoned for like uh, casting a demon out of a slave girl in Philippi, and that cost her owners lots and lots of money. And so they're like, we don't like you. We'll beat you up and throw you in prison. Uh, and so before Paul and the companions got to Thessalonica, on the way there, while they were there, Paul's like, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And what he's going to begin to do, starting here and starting and going over the next couple of verses, is just communicating to them, like, we care about you. Like, like this, isn't, this isn't just about, this isn't a walk in the park, this isn't easy, this isn't something that we're trying to gain out of this. It's like, that we care about you Thessalonians so much that we were willing to do this even though it's going to cost us. So like, we brought you this message, even though there was great opposition. And he continues with them and says, for our exhortation, not a word we necessarily use that often, but for our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. And so their exhortation or their declaration or the message that they brought, this message about Jesus, he says it wasn't an error. And so in other words, that the gospel they brought them, he's not writing them now to say, hey, yeah, about that whole like God becoming man and dying and rising from the dead, we were wrong about that. He's like, nope, that was right. That was the truth. There was no error there. And the motives weren't impure. There was no impurity. And there wasn't an intent to deceive. There wasn't an intent to deceive. The, the word there literally, it means like it's, 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 it's used to describe like a lure that's used for fishing. Um, it, it became this turn of phrase that became used to talk about anything and using like scheme or cunning to turn a profit or for personal gain. And so he's telling the Thessalonians, like there wasn't a bait and switch here. I wasn't just trying to give you some good news and be like, great, I hooked him with this good news, now give me your money or, or do me a favor. It's like, that's not what it was about. It wasn't about profits. It wasn't personal gain. It wasn't bait and switch. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. It's like, no, it wasn't impure motives, but instead, we were approved by God we, we, we were worried about or, or concerned with pleasing him, not people. And so on two ends of this thing, he, he just said, hey, we weren't, we weren't trying to, like, take advantage of you. But on the other end of things, we also weren't just trying to, like, tickle your ears and tell you what you wanted to hear. It's kind of Paul just saying, like, your, your opinion of us does not affect our behavior. We're going to do what's right, regardless of if you like it or not. Um, He's like, but we're worried about being approved and examined by God. And there's two parts of this, which he says. He's like, we have been approved. So there's a past tense. There's something that happened with Paul and his companions. They've been uh, approved to be entrusted with the gospel. And, and so to be messengers of God, like, they were counted worthy. Like, they had their lives in order to, as far as saying, hey, we believe in Jesus and we trust him and he's done a work in our lives and we have these pure motives. And so they get this, they're approved by God to go out and carry this message to different groups of people, including the Thessalonians. But then he also says but that, that God also examines our hearts and that's in the present tense. And, and so he's like, there's this ongoing, there's this continual thing that God is, is doing in us that we're, he's constantly checking our motives. That we're constantly having to ask the question, are we really loving people? Are we really doing what we're supposed to be doing? That there's a continual transformational process that's happening through the power of the Spirit in the lives of Paul and the other apostles as they carry this message out. The, the, the term that would be used is this idea of sanctification, this lifetime process of being transformed. We just sang about it uh, in, in that song that we learned this morning, sanctify us, make us more like Jesus. 
And so Paul is communicating to the Thessalonians, like, we've been approved by God to carry this message, and he's, like, checking our hearts every single day. Again, Paul wants them to know that there's a genuineness of, of heart here, that he cares about them, that he loves them, that their motives are pure. Verse 5, he continues in that same line of reasoning. He says, we never use flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. And so again, we're, we're not trying to get anything from you, not praise nor profit. We're just trying to do the right thing. And the right thing is us bringing you the gospel. It's loving you. It's caring about you as we seek to serve God. And then he makes this little aside, which I think is really interesting. He's like, although we, we could have done that, we could have done that, we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles. Like Paul and his associates didn't come seeking their own glory, that's what we just read, but they, they could have wielded that authority for their own benefit. You know, they, they could have come into town being like, don't you know who we are? I'm the apostle Paul, dang it, like I had this gut knocked off my horse, blinded by the light, I've started all these churches. Like, you should, you should serve me, you should treat me, you should be, you know, kind to me, you should give me the best parking spot for my donkey or horse or whatever they had back then. Take up a love offering for me, like, give me the, bring me the finest meats and cheeses in all the land. Like, that's, that's like, we could have done that, we could have done that. And that, that's never right for a follower of Jesus to have that, like, serve me and I'm awesome mentality. I don't think Paul and his, uh, his companions would have uh, had that mentality. But they did have the right or have the authority to receive payment for their, their work. Um, we read different places in the New Testament where, like, uh, that, the, that the worker is due his wages, that the apostles could have received uh, money for their work in the churches, like in a loving kind of way, like exchange, hey, I'm here to teach you, and so you took up an offering. But even that, Paul is saying, they didn't do. He, he said, we didn't, we didn't want to do anything to place a burden on you. We don't want to place a burden on you because we just want you to know the gospel. And he says, instead, so while we could have been a burden, we could have powered up, we could have been seeking our own benefit, instead we, we did something else. Instead we were gentle. We were gentle among you. We instead decided to take the complete opposite posture and, and to come to you saying it's not about us. It's, it's, it's about God and what he wants to do for everyone. And so we're here with the posture of a servant. We're here to be gentle. We're here to be humble. We're here to be kind. Now, at this point in the message, I want to go on a little tangent. Are we okay to go on a tangent? Well, I'm going, we're going to do it anyway. So, I mean, I just feel better if you're like, yeah, okay. Cool. I got one person said go for it. I love it. Just a little bit of a tangent, because here's, here's one of the things, like, uh, listen, if, if you're new to our church, you'll, you'll hopefully discover this, is that, like, we like having interesting conversations, and, and really, as it turn, comes to faith and life, like, nothing's off limits. We want to be people that actually think really well, and one of the things that we believe is that, like, the New Testament documents are incredibly reliable to report to us what actually happened, and there's a moment here that gives us to talk about that. So, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 is one of the kind of biggest contested verses in the New Testament in terms of there's a difference in our manuscript history here. So we have all these thousands of copies of the ancient manuscripts where we get our modern translations from. And from copy to copy, there are differences. In fact, there's like over 400,000 differences in our, in our copies. We're like, well, that's a lot. Um, over 99% of them are actually just like spelling and grammatical errors. So we kind of take those off the table. But what about that 1%? where something actually is different from manuscript to manuscript 
And 1 Thessalonians 2.7 is one of the biggest ones that we have where we go, okay, we've got two different things said here in this verse. Some manuscripts say this, some manuscripts say this. How do we know uh, what to trust? And so some get rendered as we were gentle among you, like we have here. It makes sense of the passage. Others get rendered as we were like little children or infants among you. So is it gentle or is it little children? And the difference is one letter. The word for gentle is apioi in the Greek, and the word for little children is napioi. just has an N in front of it. And the word that comes before it is the word egonethamin. So it's either egonethamin napioi or egonethamin napioi. You can see how maybe we might forget an N. When a scribe was copying this, did he put the N at the end of the, the word before or at the beginning of the next one. And debate goes back and forth. I, I tend to prefer gentle. I think it makes better sense of the passage, but some of the oldest copies have little children. But here's what I want you to see. I don't want you to ever think that anybody's trying to pull something, you know, pull the wool over your eyes when it comes to the reliability of the New Testament. That any of the, the differences, few as they are, that are found in the New Testament, none of them change the primary meaning of the text. Because whether we read this as gentle or little children, we get the same idea. If Paul's saying, we didn't power up and demand our own way, instead we were gentle, okay. But if he says we were little children, well, children, little like infants, they can't really demand their own way either. They are gentle. They are at the mercy of others. And if it is little children, there's a, a little bit of a mixing of metaphors that, that Paul might be getting at. Because the very next thing he's going to say has to do with children. And so he might be priming his readers to think, oh, little children, little children, little children. And then he talks about nursing mothers. And so either one, no matter what translation we go with, it makes sense of the text. It doesn't change the meaning. We get this picture that Paul and the apostles had this love and affection and gentleness with the church at Thessalonica. Tangent over, back into the passage. I want us to know we can trust, we can trust, we can trust the New Testament documents and, and the testimony they, they have about Jesus. So he says, instead, we were gentle among you. Again, I like that, uh, that rendering, so that's what we're going to go with. And then he gives them this picture of, well, what do you mean gentle? Like, how gentle are we talking, Paul? And he says, as a, as a nurse or as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. As a nurse or as a nursing mother nurtures her own children. That is incredibly gentle. That is a level of like love and affection that like we don't see anywhere else. If you've been around a church for a little while, you may notice it's, there's been like a baby boom at Hope Community over the past year. There's lots of babies around like the nursery some weeks. Like it is very, very full downstairs. Um, and and for, for those of you that have been in that stage of life or are in that stage of life, the amount of time and affection and love and care that it takes for like little children, especially infants, especially as, as Paul talks about that nursing stage. It's just like everything about your life, if you're, if you're a nursing mom during those years, everything else is on hold. And prim, like priority number one is what does the baby need? It's like every two hours, you're hungry again? Are you kidding me? It's 2 a.m. Are you kidding me? Like, can't you just sleep, please? And it's like, but, but that gets laid aside. Okay, because it's not about me. Like, there is this love and affection and compassion and this laying down of rights that says, I'm, I'm here to care for you. Paul tells the Thessalonians, this is the picture that I want you to have of, of the way that we've loved you. And everything that he said up to this point, he's kind of been like backing them. He's like, it's not just words, it's actions. You remember how the struggle that we went through to even get to you and the, the pain that we faced. You remember how we weren't trying to, to get profit from you. We weren't trying to get our own way. No, everything was about you. You were like a mother caring for her children, wanting to see them uh, to grow and, and to be healthy. And so he brings us to this point. And we're going to jump into verse 8, which is going to give us kind of our idea for this morning. 
that it sets up the kind of relationship that Paul and the apostles had with the church at Thessalonica, but really all the churches that, that he was a part of. In verse 8, he says, we cared so much. So we're, we're like nursing mothers, right? We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. We, we were pleased to share our lives with you. Everything about who we are is on the table for your benefit. This is like the classic understanding and definition of what we would say is like Jesus-centered, New Testament kind of love. Love in the eyes of Jesus, in the eyes of the Apostle Paul, the other apostles, the authors of the New Testament, love is not like a feeling or an emotion that we have. Love is a choice that is made to say, I will, I will lay down what's best for me so I can do what's best for you. Uh, like, like this kind of New Testament love is always centering like the other. How can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Uh, it, it's you before me. Like this is Paul putting this into action, that, that kind of commitment. He says, we loved you so much. We cared about you so much that we were pleased to share our own lives. Right? It, it would have been easier for Paul to show up and go, Okay, here's what God's done in the world. Here's the gospel. See you on to the next town. He's like, I didn't just want to share words with you, though. I wanted to share my life with you. I, I didn't just want to share, like, the truth. We've got to tell people the truth. He's like, yeah, I know, but, but I, need to, I need to tell people the truth in the context of a relationship. I'm going to share my life with you. I'm going to share this encouragement with you, but I want to share it through a relationship. I want to share my life with you. I want to share possessions with you, but, but, but no, more, more than that, I want, to, I want to share my life with you. And Paul says they were pleased to do that. They were delighted. They were excited. They were like, yes, not only do we get to, to spend time with people telling them about Jesus, we get to spend our life with them, fleshing it out and showing them what it looks like. We were pleased to share our own lives. And so the question then becomes, well, what exactly are our lives? When Paul says we share our lives. What does that look like practically? What are our lives made up of but the seconds, the minutes, the hours, and the days that we have? Our lives consist of our time. One of the things, one of the most powerful ways that we can display generosity is by saying, you know what, my time is not just my time. How can I give really some of my life to you? It's often said that, hey, you know, time is one of the, it's, it's your most precious resource, it's your most valuable asset, and I know that's true for me. Where, where it's like, if you, I'm probably more likely to, to lend you something. Like, can I borrow that? Or do you have some money I could have? Yeah, I'm probably more likely to do that than you say, hey, do you have an hour? Mm, I don't know. Because time, it is so valuable. It's so valuable. And Paul's like, hey, I want you to, to live this kind of life where it's not just about like throwing money at a problem or, or helping somebody out. Those things are great. Those things are important. But what makes an even greater impact is when you share your life with someone. When you give away some of that time. See, in the, in the early church, we see it in Thessalonica. We see it all throughout the New Testament. It's not that they necessarily were just always doing these massively huge displays of generosity. Those took place. We read in the book of Acts that like people that, that had extra, that had fields or houses, they would sell it to make sure that nobody had a need. But we see the small things over and over, just that kind of that phrase of like, hey, we're just doing life together. I'm just there for you. You're there for me. What do you need? How can, how can I serve you? How can I help? And those things add up over a lifetime and make a huge, huge impact. It, it was about being generous with their lives, or what we might say is their time. Here's the, here's the thing about our time. Unlike, we talked about at the beginning, like, kind of money and possessions, and we feel like we can't be generous because we might not have that much in terms of physical stuff. 
But unlike money, unlike possessions, unlike even like talents that we may have, time, it, we all have the same amount of. And I don't mean like, yeah, some people live a few years longer, shorter, whatever, but like on a daily basis, other than the day you're born and the day that you die, every single one of us have 24 hours. We all wake up every single day and say, okay, this is the time I have. The question becomes, what do I do with the time that I have? How do I use the time that I have? Paul, in one of his other letters, he writes to um, the church in the city of Ephesus, and he says this about this topic of time, Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15, 16, Paul says, pay, pay careful attention then to how you walk, and that was uh, this imagery that he would use for your life, how you live, how you carry yourself, how you operate in the world. Be careful, to, uh, pay attention to how you live or how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. I want you to live with wisdom, uh, not just, not, not that you just know stuff, but that you like can actually, what you know leads to action, and it leads to your flourishing and the flourishing of the people around you, for people to see Christ, for you to live that out. I want you to be wise, he says. And here's his instruction for walking or living wisely. Making the most of the time, because the days are evil. And when he says the days are evil, he's not necessarily like wanting you to think of like a horror movie, like, ah, it's evil and scary out there, but just this idea that the world that we live in is broken. It's sick. There, there's this infection of sin and death, that there's, there's things that people do, like human evil and human sin that, that just rips our world apart and destroys lives and it hurts us and it hurts others and we contribute to that. There's that part of things. And there's the reality that there is spiritual and supernatural evil around us. Like things, it's like, man, there, there's something going on there that's more than just people doing something bad, but there's something underneath of that. There's sickness and there's death and there's all these things. Like this is the reality of the world that, that you live in. The days are evil, so make the most of the time that you have. That, that make the most of the time can actually also be translated with the meaning of to buy back or to redeem the time that you have. There, there, there's this idea that we, we have time and if we aren't paying attention, we just kind of get up and we do our life and one day leads to the next day, leads to five years, 10 years, 30 years down the road and I just kind of get swept up and I just kind of do what everybody else does and I turn around and go, where did the time go? Paul says, don't get swept up into the current of where time just goes for everybody else but you actually have an opportunity to redeem that or to buy that back and to do something with your time that makes a difference. To do something with, with our time that glorifies God by loving the people around us. As followers of Jesus, we think about what we do with our time. We're called to take every, every minute, every day, every hour and say, how can I take this time and do something that glorifies God and loves the people around me? It's redeeming the time or buying back the time. Similar to like the physical stuff that we have, when we think about our stuff, it's like we can, we can be closed-handed and we can hold on to our stuff or we can be open-handed and say, okay, what, 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 God, whatever you want to do with this, you can do something with it. The same is true of our time. We can hold on to it and we can cling and say, like, I've got to do this, I've got this. Or I can open my hands up and say, you know what? Be generous with my time. Be generous with my time. We're all called to be generous with the time that we have, with the lives that we have. A couple of things to uh, get us moving in that direction. Action steps, if you will. Three steps to being more generous with our time. This is something that we can all do. Here's the first one. Be honest with your time. Like, be honest with where your time actually goes. This might actually be the most painful step. It means we need to actually pay attention and track, like, what do I do with my time in a given day or in a given week? Um, this, can, this can be very uncomfortable because it's like, I don't want to know because I already know it's not good, right? Uh, we were uh, having this conversation several weeks back with our students 
uh, I think it was when we were kind of talking through some of the Gospel of John stuff, and we were talking about, like, what are some of the things that um, keep us from uh, connecting more to Jesus? And one of the, the common things was just like, yeah, I spent a lot of time on my phone. <laughs> I was leading the discussion that night, and I was like, yeah, me too, okay? Like, put that phone on the table, this is me. And it was just comical because in that conversation, like, a couple of students, like, pull out their phones, like, I'm going to look at my screen time report right now. And I was like, what? I spend how much? In fact, we had one student, and I love this, like, I'll turn screen time off because it's just depressing. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it is. At least you admit there's a problem, right? But this is the reality. When we don't pay attention to where our time goes, it just goes. It just goes. And, and so if we're going to, like, be generous with our time and redeem that time and love God and love people with the time that we have, it starts with knowing where is it currently going? So if you're up for it, here's, here's a homework assignment for the week. Uh, you can do this several different ways, but I want you to track what you do with your time. Uh, if you're like, you like pen and paper, you can get like a little schedule, like a little planner or something, and you can write down, okay, here's what happens, you know, early morning, mid-morning, lunchtime, early afternoon, late afternoon, evening, whatever that looks like, you can break it down that way. Or if you're like a tech kind of person, you're like, spreadsheets are my thing. You can make a spreadsheet, and you can fill out all those cells, you can, cha- you can, you can check every hour, whatever, quarterly throughout the day. But whatever system works for you, kind of check in, and for a day or for a week, keep track of this is exactly what I did. And then at the end of the week, go, huh, so that's where all my time goes. I think what a lot of us will discover is what I often discover, and I'm like ashamed to even say this, is where I tell myself, I don't have time. I'm so busy. There's so much going on. I'm just busy all the time. You can go, Christy's down working with kids this morning. You can ask her. She hears this a lot. I'm so busy. I need to clone myself. I need more time. But then I'm like, I have time for the things that I make time for. <laughs> so what am I, what, what, where's my time going? Okay, that was a little message to myself there. We're going to be honest. The next thing we're going to do is when we know where our time is going, be sacrificial with it. Uh, this doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice all of your time and just let people walk all over you. That's not healthy. But what are those moments where it says, okay, if I'm going to serve other people and love other people, it is going to cost me something sometimes. Uh, there, there's going to be a cost to this. I'm going to have to probably say no to myself. So I can say yes to what, what God wants to do in and through me, maybe for someone else. And I'm telling you, this is always, always worth it. This is what makes it challenging because it costs us, but there is reward on the other side of it. There, there will never be a moment where you sacrifice something, whether that's time, talent, treasure, whatever that looks like, where you sacrifice someone to love someone else in obedience to God. There will never be a moment where on the other side of that, like God doesn't do something through it. Like when we sacrifice to love him and love others, our faith grows. Like more of who he is is revealed to us and we experience his goodness in our lives. You will never miss time that you give away. You will miss time that you waste, right? Like if you ever ever did like this 14-hour binge watch and you're like at the end of the day, you're like, I feel awful, okay? And I wish Netflix would stop asking me if I'm still watching because it just makes me feel guilty, okay? Like, yes, I'm still, I'm still watching, okay? Give me some more snacks, okay? It's like... We regret time that we waste. I've, I've never walked away from like being interrupted and having a really good conversation with someone that I didn't plan for, I didn't have time for, or serving someone, helping someone move, doing something like that that wasn't part of my agenda. I have never walked away from one of those moments and said, I really wish I hadn't done that. I may be a little stressed and there may be like, ah, now I gotta find time in my schedule, but it's, there's always like a, you know what? That was, yeah, that was inconvenient. I didn't plan for that, but it was good. It was good. There's, there's benefit on the other side. Be honest, be sacrificial, final thing, be intentional. If we want to make a change, we need a plan. Um, we've got to intentionally do something different and be specific. Because if we just say, you know what, I'm going to give away some of my time, and we don't actually have a plan for it, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to give away any of our time. 
And so be really specific. Maybe you've already, you're already thinking of something, but like write it down. Um, have someone hold you accountable for it. Uh, talk about this idea. There's a, some discussion guides and, and daily devotions on the um, welcome desk out there. You can take those home, talk about it with your family, talk about it in a small group. Uh, we'll be talking about it with our students tonight uh, at our student gathering. Have someone hold you accountable and say, you know what, here's, here's what I'm going to do, how much time I'm giving away, and when I'm going to do it. Maybe it's, hey, I'm gonna, I've decided that, that once a week for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings, I'm going to serve at church. I'm going to do something. That, that's intentional. It's specific. Or, you know what, I'm a morning person, so 15 minutes every morning, let's say 7 o'clock, I'm going to set 15 minutes aside to pray for other people. Not for me, but for other people. Maybe it's something like, hey, I'm going to spend 10 minutes at lunch, whether it's, you know, you're a student or even you're working, and it's like lunchtime is usually like sweet. I can catch up on some shows or podcasts, earbuds go in for 10 minutes. I'm going to get out of my own world, and I'll spend 10 minutes talking to someone, just letting them know that they're seen, they're loved, they're valued. Maybe it's something as simple as 30 minutes a week. I'm going to spend writing and encouraging, encouraging notes to people, sending texts to people. Whatever it is, something specific, there's a time, here's what I'm going to do, here's when I'm going to do it, here's how I'm going to be held accountable to it. Be honest, be sacrificial, be intentional. In the words of the Apostle Paul, let's be pleased to share our lives with the people around us, and in doing so, declare the gospel to them. This kind of generosity, generosity in every area of life, including in uh, the area of our time, it's not something that we manufacture from within ourselves but it is a reflection of who God is and what he has already done. This is where the motivation came from for Paul. It's where the motivation comes from for all of us that we have all so richly received the blessings of God. That again, as I mentioned at the beginning, he held nothing back from us in our greatest need. He sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins, the sins of the world, to redeem us, to buy us back, to raise from the dead so we can have a hope in him. And so through that example and through the power of his spirit, we go out of this place and we show the same to others. Let's be generous with our time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for the example that we have in your son, Jesus. Um, God, when we were broken, when we were hurting, when we were in our sin and shame and death, you did not leave us there, but you, you came for us. That you lived this life, this perfect life. You died for our sins. You rose from the dead. And so, God, I pray that that would be the truth that just is behind everything that we do, every every action, everything we live out, Lord, may be informed by your love. And God, may that love not just flow into us, but may it flow out of us and through us, that we would reflect who you are to the world around us by being generous, by being generous with our time. God, would we share our lives, share our lives with our, our families, our friends, our coworkers, with a stranger. Take those moments to just show other people who you are. But I pray through the power of your spirit that you would transform us, make us into that, those kind of people. We pray this in Jesus' name.